0: Are you well? Really, it's wonderful to see all the faces back from holiday, lots of stories being told, lots of excitement, which is amazing. We've had an amazing time, um, went away this weekend just Friday night and, and came back this morning with the eldership team. Just the privilege of being together, spending, there's lots of busyness in church. I don't know if you know what happens behind the scenes, but there's lots of busyness potentially and you can get so caught up and just the privilege of, of, of praying for hours with um, the men and women who have been assigned to, to lead in this community is a real privilege. And just to you know that we celebrate, we have got deep, we are really excited for this next week as we enter to the fast. But I'll tell you, when we see young men and women make decisions like, God has gripped my heart for Zimbabwe, so I want to go. The gospel is doing something. It's counter everything in this world. Take me to a third world country. Take me there because of Jesus there's no six foot four farmer waiting that I know of Andrea unless something hasn't come up you want to tell us now nothing but but when men and women rise up uh, last year a very good friend of ours she has five children under the age of seven when the crisis erupted in Syria and they they asked for doctors to go she was the first to put her hand up she was the one interviewed every night on TV as five little kids with her husband sat at home because she said there's something in me burning I've got to go. And my God is with me. When we make decisions like that, and when we send our best, trusting God, we'll see amazing things. And we'll have a lot of fun together. So we honor you and, and the team. And so it's good. It's good. When you call your church a name like Life Changes, behind the scenes, you have to have a couple of lifesavers. Hello, Keith. And... Um, We went to Keith and Sharon's house on Tuesday night for dinner. And uh, we were just enjoying the evening and Keith was encouraging my kids to climb higher and higher on the rocks and then jump into the pool. And his mom was a little freaked out. She went inside, so Judah was climbing up. Next minute Judah dived off and went to the bottom. And he does this thing where he just floats up. like He just chooses to not swim and he floats. And for a second I thought, no, Keith will never jump. And I saw this man in all his clothes, he just got changed for dinner, jumped into this pool to pull Judah out. And Judah's first reaction was to burst out laughing because he'd finally got finally got someone to actually jump in. So thank you, Keith. We know that our children are safe at your pool and um, real, real privilege. Hassle offers nothing on you. Um, but just so you know, and, and other good news, we've had contacts, I know you haven't heard from them in a little while, Wally and Shirley are well, well I know they're well tanned, that I know for sure. I saw a picture of them, they look incredibly well tanned, but they are well, they're also helping out and ministering in a church that needed some help, which is amazing, and so they're incredibly well. Can I pray for us? This is a really exciting week. I don't know if you know, if you've just come back from a holiday and you don't know, we are fasting as a community this week, which is a radically exciting moment. So, I just pray Father right now you are the cornerstone our hope is in you Jesus nothing else and we don't come this morning to do church do all the right things Father we come this morning to say that you are the King you are Lord of our lives and we put you at the center this morning God where the storms rage whatever's going on Father if we feel like we are at the top of the mountain we still say you are the center you are the blazing fire, God. We worship you this morning, King. Amen. So this morning, we're not going to just move on. We are going to speak about fasting. There we go. One person's excited. And it's called, calling this morning, Game Changer. Because when we look throughout the Word and when we look in church history everything dynamic everything amazing all the revivals behind all of that is this thing called fasting that has this mystique around it for people and 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 a lot of people have the wrong idea about what it is it's and so we're going to smash a few of those things today we're going to have a bit of fun i'm not a great faster just let it get out there i want to watch master chef all day when we fast it's like i never watch master chef but put me in a fast and i will watch master chef i want to buy cooking books Never want to buy cooking books except when we're fasting. I I have cravings that burn deep inside. So I wouldn't say I'm good at this. We did a 10-day fast at Glenridge. I was young, so I threw myself in passionately. Didn't really manage myself well. Ended up fainting on a cricket field. And then on the last night, we went for dinner. And I thought, this was my chance. This is it. So we went to RJ's. You know RJ's, the steakhouse? Ordered the biggest burger, monkey gland sauce. Remember it clearly thought I was very clever. It's like, why are you ordering salad? You can eat now. Bar one milkshake with all the chocolate around the side. I was so horribly sick that night. After 10 days of fasting. So we're going to talk about some of the practicals of how to do this well. Um, but first we're going to look at an incredible section of Scripture. Maybe you want to turn It's in the Old Testament, which is in the front, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Please. In my Bible, it's around page 350. And I say that not not to be cheeky. I say that because we can't make the assumption people know how to navigate the Bible anymore. And that's cool. That's why we come to church. That's why we learn together. God wants us in His Word, which means we have to learn how to work through His Word, chew on His Word, allow it to get deep down inside of us. So we're going to go to 2 Chronicles Chapter 20. What's happening here is just a radical situation. Jehoshaphat is a God-man. Jehoshaphat. It's a good name for a child if you're having children. Very popular somewhere. And, and he's leading God's people. And they are coming under major attack. They're not being attacked by one army. They are being attacked by three armies simultaneously. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're feeling a little attacked. Finances, work situations, relationships, that's cool. The Bible shows us where we run. It's not difficult. And this is an incredibly overwhelming attack of the enemy. And it starts like this in verse 1. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. It's a little bit like Durban when the termites attack. You don't stand a chance. If you've been from Durban, you're laughing now because you have your house sprayed on Wednesday by Friday, the arts are back. They're in everything. And all these arts are attacking Jehoshaphat and the people of God. It's a real challenging situation. Verse 2, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon. 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 Tamar. Very good. good. Tamazon. Amazon. it's this the word comes it's a radical thing we listen as humans we, we sing about the trust in God but often it's the voices that speak to us that we're not so good at filtering and we must hear we've got to hear we've got to hear the voices we've got to hear what's happening but are those the voices we rest on are those the voices that grip us and hold us because the situation's not good Loving voices, coming and speaking. And, and, and Jehoshaphat's response in the end just says this word, alarmed. Alarmed. Alarmed is quite a big thing. We didn't have an alarm in Durban. In the house we're renting here, we have an alarm. And Ben decided to set it off one night. And I was alarmed. As I heard my child scream, I heard this alarm that sounded like a bomb siren in the house. I stood up. I thought there are people marauding our house. I jumped down the stairs. I ran down the first stairs and then I don't know what happened because the lights went out. I jumped straight into the wall on the other side. Took all the pictures off the wall and realized nothing was wrong. It's just Ben had gone to walk downstairs. But he's alarmed. The the King James says, and Jehoshaphat was afraid. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong to be afraid. It's not wrong to be afraid. It's not wrong to experience that emotion of being afraid. Sometimes it's actually incredibly helpful. But what you do with that, what you do with that, how you process that is what the gospel gets inside of us to change. It doesn't turn that into a runner. It doesn't turn us into something that weak and fearful. Being afraid just calls us to run to the one who settles it all. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. His first response is amazing. It says this, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Again, the King James says, and he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself. He made himself ready. We see in Ephesians 6, we, we, we speak about Ephesians 1 to 3 and God positioning us and establishing us in our identity in Him. And He finishes off in Ephesians 6, says, "Stand." Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In Ephesians, we see these postures of seated in Christ, never running, walking with Christ, and then standing. And we see a man say, actually resolved to inquire of God. The enemy's attacking, surely a general responds. What do we like at work? I mean, I remember deadlines are coming phone calls this is not happening this is falling apart and you want to just make plans but Jehoshaphat shows us what a man of authority in the bible does a person of authority they run to God and they inquire of their source it's an incredible model for us as the church they don't run to their pastor they don't run to their home group leader they don't run to their wife they don't run to some guidance counselor they run to God First, all those people play a part. But sometimes we're so conditioned that that others hear God for us. He models for us. In the Old Testament, without the Holy Spirit operating, but leading and guiding as God is committed to His people, He runs to God. Incredible, incredible, powerful statement. And His first response is to call a corporate fast. Now, just to settle you, we aren't under attack. There are no Ammonites coming down Ross Road. There are noites anywhere here. You don't have Bora. Yeah, It's a wonderful thing. You can thank God for that. We, we're not, but actually, we're always in a battle. And the challenge is we get on with life and we just carry on. We get good at just getting on and we forget there is a battle. There is a battle for our city. There is a battle for the salvation of those around us who dramatically need Jesus, drastically need Jesus. There is a battle for our children and their future, that they would know God, they would know His ways, they would walk in His ways, they would honor His ways. There are battles everywhere. There are battles for our single people, for their, their freedom, from the chains the enemy would put around them. There's just battles. And sometimes we as the church sit down when we call to stand. And there is a time to stand. And so what we're doing this week As we're calling a fast. If you are part of this community, I want to say we are calling this fast not in a way that is... We're just calling it because there's battles. Maybe life is good for you. Finances are good. Your children are well. That's wonderful. But we're in a family. So we take times to say goodbye to Andrea and to pray and to commission her because together we fight. Together we stand. And God's man stands up and he calls a fast. I remember being the young guy in a church, 14, 15 at Glenridge, and Rory would stay, stand up and say, we're calling a fast. And I was like, ooh, not the most popular guy now. As people realize some things we're going to be challenged in. Church is an interesting area to lead in because something you're going to call people to things that challenge comfort zones. And we have to have that. We're going to hear God and follow Him in these things. So the people of Judah, verse 4, came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek Him. Incredible picture of people coming out. Glenridge, where I've worshipped for 20 years, so I do tell a lot of stories of it, is situated on top of the Durban station. We couldn't, the city wouldn't give us land to build, so we bought private land from Metro Rail two parking lots, and they're on top of the Durban station. And some of my favorite memories of seeing people coming out from underneath, out of the train station, as they caught trains from Mlazi, city center, others walking from the city through the little byways to come up the ramp. That was the main way to get up. Others driving from the rich areas of the north of Durban in their big fancy cars at that same ramp, and all converging on top of a station. They came from all parts of Judah. Verse 5. Just working through the scripture and we'll carry on from there. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord. In the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God did not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They have lived in it and have built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are the men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when when they came from Egypt so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's this incredible statement of a king. It's a sign of weakness in this world for kings to get on their knees and cry out for help. It's a sign of weakness as nations cry out say, our economies in pain. Can you help us, America? Can you help us, rest of the world? We are drowning. It's a sign of weakness, but a king gets on his knee and says, You are God. And he asks questions, but they're not questions, they are statements of the glory of God. Proclaiming and exalting the King of Kings. Speaking the promises out of the given inheritance that these people had been given. Sometimes the church, we can stand back and get passive. You know what? Our children walking in the ways of the Lord is our inheritance. It's It's not a bargaining act with God. It's not how much you sacrifice your children to walk out. Us walking in freedom is inheritance. The young people in this church walking free from some of the lures of this world is part of our inheritance. And when we understand that we stand on the promises of the good King, the great I Am, and we declare His purposes. This is not a begging man approaching God who's half interested. This is a son approaching a father, reminding him of his promises. It's an incredible thing. And if he'd stopped there, if he just said at the end, for we know we have no power to face this vast army, which is true, that is attacking us. They couldn't. Three armies attacking one, the odds aren't good. And if he'd stopped after, we do not know what to do. If he just stopped there. Often we just stop there. I've stopped there too many times sometimes. But when we know our God, when we know that He is good and He is powerful and He is mighty, then we say, but our eyes are on you. Those last words changed the game. It was a losing battle. It was a game to be lost. Why have I got Ricky January in my mind? <laughs> Remember that we were losing to the All Blacks. Excuse the rugby analogy, but it just came to mind. I have to speak to it. And you get Ricky January, who South Africa weren't sure they liked, and he changed that game. Jesus breaks into every situation and changes the game. Some of your situations right now need a game changer. And it's not this church and it's not me. It's as together we cry out to the ultimate game changer. His name is Jesus. Because he's already broken the power of whatever game you need changed. And we just invite him to run in. How amazing is that? It's incredible. And we get another clue here. It says, wait for God to speak. Just wait for God to speak. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. No one's excluded. Here's my encouragement. Bring your children no other way to say it yes as a community sometimes there's going to be a kid that cries that happens sometimes it's mine I have three boys under five it happens but my bible says this gospel is not for adults it's not for the educated it's not exclusive to anyone the whole the husbands, the wives, the children and the little ones and mothers it's tough the little kid phase of life is tough. But I want my kids to learn how to worship God from me. But I want them to learn how to worship God from some worship singer who comes into town from America. But I want them to see what it is to trust God in the storm from someone else. They're in my house for 18, 20 years, whatever. I want them to learn that from me, whether that's in the church or in the lounge or in someone else's home. I want them... I have the privilege of modeling. The greatest teaching in the world is modeling. Jesus showed and then He taught. And so we'll chat about that a little later, but, but kids are vital to this. Verse 14. Are you guys following? Is this making sense? It's just an amazing story of the power of a corporate fast. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and descendants of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The amazing thing, we think we're going to come sometimes to these corporate moments and we're looking for the man with the power of the hour with the white suit and the golden mark. And God's going to speak to him. But where do we find that in the Bible? Who is Jen and I? We don't know. He's just the son of the son of the son of the son of. He could be seven years old. We don't know. But God speaks to him. See, when a community stands, God can speak to anyone. It's not my job to hear for your life. We stand together and some of the most profound words you will ever hear will come from the person sitting next to you right now. We pray for you as an eldership and a leadership. We love you. But there's only one cornerstone. His name is Jesus. And there's only one king. His name is Jesus. And God speaks to Jeremiah and, and says, You say to the king, Listen, King Jehoshaphat. When God comes on a man or a woman, He comes on them and brings authority and strength. Strength you've never had before. I would pray that even as this fast, as we enter in, shake off the disqualifying lies of the enemy. Shake them off. Oh, I've only been saved for three months. Yes, maybe you, Jen, and I. Oh, I did this last week. Have you heard of Grace. Just run to the throne of grace. Now let's move forward as a community. And we go together. When we come together, there is power. And God could speak to anyone. Here's clue number five. Humble yourself and worship. Jehoshaphat bowed down. This young man speaks. And the king bows down. With his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Korahites and Korahites stood up and prayed. Those are the good hearts. Those are the good ones. They praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld, have faith in His prophets and you will be successful. It is the picture of a king getting on his knees and modeling worship to a people and saying, this is how we get through storms. This is how we engage the enemy. It's an incredible thing. So used to building forts. And Jesus says, come to me, I will comfort you. Come to the forts, I will protect you. And a king gets on his knees and he says this, Believe, have faith in the Lord your God. New King James, believe and you will be upheld. You will be established. You will be made strong. He also says this line, have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. My prayer at this time is that the prophetic gifting inside of the quietest of people here would begin to bubble. Not on Tuesday or Thursday or after. I ask, let it bubble now. Find yourself in the prayer closet now. Find yourself crying out for this community now. And then begin to send them through. Send the words through by email, whatever you need to do. As we believe in God's prophets. We're not believing in a man or a woman. We're believing in the God who speaks. And sometimes He'll speak audibly from the heavens. And sometimes He'll use a prophetic gift. And then we get another clue. It says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise Him for a splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army singing, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. This is before the battle. It's a massive challenge to me and I'm sure to many of us. Singing before the battle, Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. This is a people who know their God. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes among the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks, do we get that? So the enemies attacking, all of a sudden, they decide to attack each other. Who knows what went on behind the scenes but God? And then the two that got together and defeated the ones from Mount Seir, they defeated each other. He said, No, that doesn't work out. Surely we had to fight, surely we had to lose some. But God. When the men of Judah came to that place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. That is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully. To Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over the enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. It's good to read chunky sections of Scripture together. The Bible speaks about don't forego. The public reading of scripture we have this incredible picture of a triumphant people coming in but they did nothing they didn't raise one sword they didn't strike down one enemy they did nothing but get on their knees and worship God we live in a culture that says you can do it be self-sufficient Get your bank account there, get your emotions there, get your family there. be self-sufficient. you can do it. You are God. You are your God. And it's a big lie. You know that statement? What's it? There's no Christians on foxholes or something like that. There's some statement about when men are in war and the enemy attacks and they're in their foxhole waiting. There're no atheists in foxholes. That's the statement. Because we're born to worship God, every man. We see these clues. They respond to the challenge. They respond to the call to fast as a community. They wait for God to speak. And He speaks through a young man. They humble themselves and worship. And they go forth. We see examples of Daniel, Daniel in his day standing apart. Not doing a full fast. Doing a partial fast. And God exalting him, lifting him up. Lifting him up. We see Nehemiah calling a fast, and even those who weren't saved fasted because of the fear of God. It's a radical thing. We see New Testament pictures of Jesus. And it's, you know, the amazing thing is, I read that scripture. I always kind of thought he went into the desert and on, he fasted for three days, and on day four, he got tempted, and then fasted a bit more. On day seven, he got tempted, and then fasted a bit more. On day 40, he got tempted. That's how, I don't know why. But I read the scripture the other day. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Obvious statement. The tempter came to him and said, Radical thing. Jesus knew. This is Jesus. He's God. He knew the enemy was going to come. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords says, Actually, I've got to get myself ready. We're so used to, the issue is now, so now I'm going to God and I'm going to twist God's arm. That's not fasting. Fasting is a culture established in a community who believe in the breakthrough power of a living God. We've got to just shift some of these things. Otherwise, we come into a fast with the wrong mindset. It's so important what we believe as we come into these things. So why do we fast? The first thing, it's not a hunger strike. Everyone's a little serious today. It's just me. Or are just nervous to fast? I don't know. What's he going to say next? But it's not a hunger strike. We're not prisoners coming to a ward and saying, we're not going to eat unless you change the conditions. So we're going to twist God's arm by starving ourselves. And he's saying, you're being silly. I gave you good things called food. I mean, David ran to God when, when after he'd the sin with Bathsheba and he begs God, trying to twist his arm, and God is gracious and He's good and He responds to the call of His sons and daughters, yes. Of course He does. But this is not a hunger strike. We are not beating our bodies into submission. Slapping ourselves. The new covenant, what Jesus did on the cross, means we don't do that. We approach the throne of grace. The second reason why we fast, well, it's an issue of appetite. I think I've told the story of the worship time, the Krispy Kreme story. Have I told it, Dave? I'm not sure. We, we were in England. My wife got burnt in a restaurant, so we had to stay for a little bit longer. And people came to visit us. And my friend bought us a box of 12 Krispy Kreme's. Now, if you've been to England or America, Krispy Kreme's are really good donuts. Anyone testify? Anyone had Krispy Kreme's? we got some witnesses. They are just, they have like this one with a chocolate cover, the whole thing, put custard inside. I mean, who can resist that? And they brought me a box of 12, which I worked my way through as I sat next to my wife. And then I found out there was a store around the corner. I went and bought more Krispy Kremes. I came back from England after that trip. I had to spray spray and cook on the sides of me to get into the plane seat. But I had developed an appetite for something I didn't know existed. See, in our relationship with God, there's an appetite to awaken. It's one thing to be saved. It's one thing to get our fire insurance for heaven one day. It's another thing to have an appetite to know God. So Paul prays. Actually, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know Him. There is an awakening of an appetite for more of God inside of each of us. And as we come to fast, this awakening gets birthed and gets stirred up. The question posed by the gospel, the question posed by the New Testament, is: do you have a hunger for Him? Jesus said, I respond to hunger and I respond to thirst. John Piper puts it this way, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. We nibble on small things. My time taken up by nibbling on Facebook and nibbling... And I love Facebook, so I know I talk about it a lot, but, but we nibble on all these things. We're satisfied by a whole bunch of small things. God says, I'm great. Will you feast at my table? See, God is more interested when we come to a fast. He's not interested about our consumption. He's interested about what we are consumed by. What are you consumed by? So we come and, and, and for some people... To, to give up food is really easy but to say actually I'm going to quieten the voice I'm going to keep the TV off is really hard because now you actually have to talk to your wife and you have to engage your kids because you can't just stick them in front of a TV now i running video guilty sometimes but we engage and then we realize we actually have time to hear God and all of a sudden the prophetic juices start to flow that we think God had left us meanwhile he's there the whole time we were just nibbling Can I read you another quote from John Piper? And this is really challenging. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but the primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it is a piece of land a yoke of oxen and a wife. Relax. When Je- Jesus spoke into us. He says, actually, there's this desire for God that gets awakened. But in Luke 8 verse 14, it says, as they go on their way, they were choked with worries and riches and the pleasures of life. Just choked. There are lots of Christians choked by pleasures, by good things, by worries, that shouldn't hold us, that shouldn't grip us because we know God's in place but we give them power and they begin to choke us and we feel claustrophobic and we begin to live in smaller space than the spaciousness of the gospel He's called us to. So God says actually put the hungers aside. This is not just for mystics. It's not just for the monastics. It's for every Christian and embrace an appetite for the great King. That's why we fast. The last one is just taking time out. See, the thing is, you make time for what's important for you. And in these last months, it's been difficult for me in the morning to get up and enjoy God in the morning. I'm a pastor. That's what I should do every morning. And I'm going to just confess, it hasn't been every morning. Because my kids wake me up at quarter past five every morning. And they are there and alive and then there's other distractions and then I get on the email and I have to get back to Yuna because Una likes me to get back to her. hey Una and there's other things to answer and there's a million things to do and you get busy and all of saying I've got no time for God so we come together and, and corporate fasting and, and large scale revivals only happen when individuals are hungry for God Seen men, operate in power. Todd White, a beautiful man, sees amazing things in life. He fasts three times a week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week he fasts. And someone oh, that's legalism. That's... Now, when you meet Todd White and he tells you about the love of Jesus, you won't call him a legalist. And, and we see the examples through the early church. Martin Luther criticized for fasting too much. John Calvin prayed and fasted until Geneva turned to God. Whole places. Jonathan Edwards, before he preached that amazing preach, sinners in the hands of an angry God, he fasted and he prayed. And cried out to God, bring healing and wholeness to your people. If it's power we desire, a Christian walk that will change the world around us. And we want to see the playing fields changed. We come to God. And we say, God, it's you. We saw Jesus and the disciples. The disciples asked, why couldn't we send those demons out of that boy? Jesus said, some only come out by praying and fasting. So the game's changing. Why are we fasting? And we finished in five minutes time. Why are life changes fasting? What's happened that we need to fast? We're fasting for Fiona, who's marrying Gabe. That's actually why we're fasting. (laughs) And... uh, she needs a lot of grace. That's why the whole church is fasting. It's not going to be easy. So we're coming before. I'm joking. I'm joking. But we are fasting for more of God. We are whetting our appetites for more of God. We are pursuing God. We're coming to Him and we're asking Him to fill us up. It's not like we're not full. The challenge is we just need to get some of the other stuff out that fills us up. And he says, I want to fill you up with my glory. I want to fill you up with my presence. I want to fill you up. I want to be the only thing that satisfies you and sustains you. The only thing. Psalm 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, just distracted by things. But those who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditate on His law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers there is a reality to planting yourself and seeing the fruit come a young lady goes out to Zimbabwe she has planted herself in the local church she has planted herself to sow and she has grown and now she is being sown so we're asking for God at this time we also are fasting fasting Because we see Jesus in His new ministry, as He's he's gone, He's anointed by the Spirit, He goes and says He fasts before His ministry. We see in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas and Simeon, and and they're going on a new mission, and and they're sending out Barnabas and Saul for the work of the Lord. And they say before they send them out, they fasted, and then they prayed and sent them out. There is a new day of life changes, not because I'm here, because God does transition for more land and more glory. We did a whole series about it. It's not about my ambition or this eldership's desire to grow. It's about God's ambition and His desire for His glory. And so there's a new day, so we have to crack open some ceilings. I really do desire to see more healing, physical, spiritual, emotional, I desire it. Not just for me, for us as a community. I desire to see signs and wonders which look like young couples getting married and honouring God in the process. Young people going to countries to walk it out. Sounds and wonders. We're fasting because, as a community, we desire sustained breakthrough, not just a flash in the pan. It's an amazing thing when we stand and we come to Jesus, our brother, our provider, our savior, our friend. We put Him first and we stay in that place, not crying out for this thing or this thing. Just sustained breakthrough. Part of our culture as a people, we will see sustained revival. Not one weekend, church was amazing, next weekend church sucks. One weekend people get healed. We're just sustained reality of Jesus in His church. And we're fasting for breaking through of ceilings as a church community. God's got some promises for the church. There's been, I don't know if you know, but work for years in terms of land next door. There's been a promise of greater influence. Many salvations to come. Many people, I walk around the city, I walk in the shopping centers, I see people and everything inside of me is thinking about ideas or how can we love them, how can we serve them. Thank you for the responses we've had to the suggestion last week about doing DIY for the single moms and and the widows in our area. Thank you. Men have come rushing forward. We actually have to do something about it now because that means there's a burning desire to love God's people and to love. We need courage for the adventures ahead. More people, more home groups into some of the darkest, toughest areas of our city. We need people going and traveling and young people ministering and breaking open. We need to see these things because God's about more. That's who He is. Fasting is not about our consumption it's about his satisfaction so that's why we fast so how are we fasting we're doing a liquid fast just so you know just the details because my urge to you is maybe you're saying I come to church on a Sunday and that's it I would encourage you that maybe that can be it for the week after but this week give yourself to the community of God I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what sacrifice that means. I used to run to church. I loved church when I was 14, 15 years old because there was something of God there. And the reason I'm talking like this and encourage this, I would ask every person to get stuck into this for the community and for the individual to find more of God. Liquids fast. My suggestion would be water. Drink lots of water. How much water do you think you need to drink? Drink twice as much. We don't need no kidney stones this fast drink lots of water have fruit juice where you need and we're going to have some soup in the evening as a liquid fast that's not the soup with a whole chicken breast (laughs) in it But, but can I just say this you'll be okay if you haven't fasted before and you think it's weird you'll be okay some people just do it for health reasons you'll be okay parents I probably would encourage little guys to fast, but if your teenagers say actually I want something of God in this thing, they'll be okay. Manage them, teach them to drink water, model this thing for them. And again, there's ways of creative ways of doing it. For my family it'll be no TV. Which is a sacrifice at five in the morning. But it's real. I want them to do this. So we sit and we read little Bible stories together. It's Just ideas. We're going to meet together every evening here from Hopper 6 to Hopper 7. One hour. Time with the family. We're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to seek God together. And maybe God will speak to you or maybe He'll speak to me. And then we also made an option open as an extra for those who would love to. Some people might struggle if you're traveling. We're going to meet from 6 to 7 in the morning. It's, it's the smaller meeting, the big ones in the evening. I'd love you to focus on that meeting. But if you'd like to, we'll be here from 6 to 7 in the morning. Just pray. And worshiping God. And um, some helpful pointers: drink more water than you need, stay away from restaurants where you can. Business meetings are no tough. I've been there, sat in boardrooms where there are food everywhere, and they're looking at you going, "Now." Nah. Jesus speaks in Matthew. He says, "Actually, don't. You don't have to shout it out. You don't have to look all sombre. I'm fasting." He says, "Actually, put oil in your hair. Maybe someone needed gel up for the week. I don't know." Could just be moisturizer. Um, all the guys are moisturizer. I'm moisturizer already, proactive. I want sustained revival. And the last thing I'd love to encourage as a parent, and I've spoken to my kids a lot this morning, is that all the men of Judah, their wives, their children, and the little ones stood. This is a family sport. Praying and fasting, and church is a family sport. And we are working hard, and there's lots going on behind the scenes. To get kidsmen up and running and pumping, we've got work to do there. I know. And uh, school holiday is not the easiest time to make that happen. So we're on it. But in this time, I would encourage parents: please bring your children. And there's some wise things to do. Speak to them first. Speak to them about what's going to happen. Speak to them. You're going to. My encouragement: bring a blanket, bring something they can know that that's a space, that's their space. Bring them toys, bring them snacks. Because they're children. And it's okay that they want to run around. And if they need to run around, take them outside, take them to the back. There's a toddler's room. But don't keep them out. Don't keep them out of what God is doing in a community. They have something to add. I've seen seven-year-olds prophesy in front of 1,800 people and I've seen men and women who make millions every year fall on their knees because God spoke to a seven-year-old. I have faith God can do it again. So bring those things. It's a challenge. And and can I just say, Moms, you're probably more aware of your children and their noise than others are. And that's okay. We're there. When I was away, the, once, the second week I had to go back to Durban, apparently my Ben had a fit and ran down the thing screaming. And my wife phoned me. I said, You know what, girl? I don't think anyone's going to remember it tomorrow. <laughs> or maybe they're not here. I don't know. But, but... Can we get stuck in here? Uh, this, not, this is something of a captain calling a team to something. Yes, Jehoshaphat called. And so I am standing I'm saying, can I call you? Submit so I've met with some people here and there's some situations. There's some breakthrough of God needed. Lots of it. And so we stand as a community and say, God is great. And we want to see breakthrough after breakthrough. Not just peaks and troughs breakthrough after breakthrough more glory coming together so we love you and as an eldership we say please can we fast together bring people i'm so convicted of the glory and wonder of god that i would tell you bring unsaved people to the meetings and let's pray for healing and let's ask god to break into this situations, whatever that is not just healing it's it's everything it's two years unemployed it's all that stuff I want to see people get jobs this week in this community. God can do it.